Welcome to the sermon podcast for Restoration Nazarene Church, where we encourage you to be the gospel today so that you can share the gospel tomorrow. New Year's. Anybody made any resolutions yet? I'm going to lose 50 pounds or anything like that, no? You gave up on that? There's a, there's a few of us that I saw two hands. Do you um, not make any resolutions anymore because you know you never follow through? Is that, the, is that what it is? Why do we make resolutions? This, this idea of a better life, doing better, this idea of, uh, uh, of living more fully, is that, is that fair? Okay, you guys uh, didn't sleep very well last night. Do I need to ask you to stretch? Okay, everybody stretch. Oh, big stretch. Good. Anybody? No? Okay, all right. Moving along. I'm just going to preach today, and if you guys are awake enough to hear it, I pray that the Lord blesses your ears to hear, give you ears to hear and eyes to see. I did pray for you this morning. In the darkest hours of the morning, uh, as I was putting, uh, I get a, my habit is to get up about four o'clock on Sundays and take all the stuff I've studied and just kind of order it and just get my mindset. It works at four in the morning because the house is quiet. Nobody else gets up at four in the morning, except for the rooster in the house behind and one honorary cat that belongs to Michaela. But I prayed for you. Um, I don't know, I was moved in this moment of wanting to share with you a story, a few stories that, that connected with your heart, that connected with the Spirit of God and what He wants to do in you. And my heart went out for you today that you, you would be directly connected with the Spirit of God today and that his words would speak to your heart. And so that's my hope and prayer for today. And so as I go through a few stories that we found in Scripture, um, this isn't my normal... I'm going to scoot this out a little more. This isn't my normal New Year's deal. And I normally do. He makes all things new because it connects with, with the new year. But... Um, this morning, as I was putting together my ideas, it, um, I'm hoping it was spirit-led. And so there's a story in Acts that uh, is interesting. Um, it's a story about a guy named Stephen. Uh, Stephen is uh, one of these young guys that was brought before the Sanhedrin, and he was, he was preaching Jesus. He was telling everybody about what Jesus has done and what, what he's doing in the lives and what's happening to, to people and how it's, how it's changing everything. Of course, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees brought him in and said, hey, cut that out. And he starts off with a sermon. And, 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 and by the way, um, the part I'm going to read to you gets all the way down to 54 verses. The whole rest of the beginning of, the, of chapter 7 is all of his sermon. And what he starts off is, listen, um, God tried to reveal himself to you in so many ways, through so many people throughout history, through so many prophets, and you rejected them. And God would reveal himself again, and you rejected what God was revealing. And then he would reveal himself again 
through historical events or through everything like that. And he just, he's going, the pattern is God reveals himself and you reject him. And now God has revealed himself by sending his son into the world for you and you have rejected him as well. And he points out the leadership, you have done this. And then they get angry with him. I mean, have you ever been part of somebody who accuses you of a grievous thing? What's your automatic response? Defense mode? I mean, it is for me. Def hey, hold on. Wait, back up a minute. Beep, beep. Put the, put the stoplights on and, and let's talk about this. Or I attack back. Anybody else attack back? Well, you have done, or you... Blah, blah, blah. They're not really that different in Scripture. Let's find out what it says. Once the council members heard these words, they were enraged and began to grind their teeth at Stephen. I don't know about, like, Urgh. is that grind your teeth? Like, it's so mad at you. I have some children that do that to me sometimes. One specialized in getting you to grind your teeth. Oh, come on. Not mention any names. But Stephen, enabled by the Holy Spirit, stared into heaven and saw God's majesty and Jesus standing at God's right side. He exclaimed, look, I can see heaven on display and the, and the human one standing at God's right side. At this, they shrieked and covered their ears. La, 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 la. I can't hear you. Together, they charged at him threw him out of the city, and began to stone him. The witnesses placed their coats in the care of a young man named Saul. And as they battered him with stones, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, accept my life. And falling to his knees, he shouted, Lord, don't hold the sin against them. And then he died. And the the very first line. It's only one sentence. And if you look in your Bibles uh, in chapter 2, it's one sentence. It doesn't even make a paragraph. It's just one sentence. And then it, it moves on. It says, and Paul was there in agreement with what happened. Or Saul. Saul was there in agreement with what happened. Boy, how does it get to a point where you are shrieking and snarling and lashing out at people with hatred and stoning one another. I mean, somehow, like, they had to be teaching the, the same rules that you and I have, have read through Scripture. The, 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 I mean, it starts off with, thou shalt not murder, right? That's one of the top biggies, like the Big Ten. It's in there, right? Yet murder is part of their, their practice. How is it that hatred... And snarling and sneaks in and just kind of takes over. 
I mean, I know it sounds a lot like a, a church board meeting I've been in before, but... I mean, not in this church, but I've been in other churches before. In fact, I was at a church that was in the business district of Phoenix, uh, down in the Biltmore area. And every uh, board member in, in that uh, church was a self-made businessman or woman. And so the very interesting thing is they all had their own ideas on how, how to win and, and succeed and make things happen for the church. And it was, it was always a struggle to, to harmonize the group together and get them to, to find common ground that they could move forward on. Because they just, I mean, they were, they were all wonderful people, don't get me wrong, but they just all had marvelous ideas. Um, I did discover that eventually, uh, that um, if I brought food, it helped tremendously. It seemed like they had all come from work and were hangry. You ever met somebody who was hangry and just you couldn't reason with them until you got them some chicken nuggets or something? Or a Snickers bar, you know, just something. Unfortunately, that's kind of the pattern of this world is to, to get power and hold power over somebody else. I mean, if you break, down, break it down, if you think about the way relationships are, um, you know, have you ever encountered a, a husband and wife where... where where the husband was always barking at his wife all the time about what she is and isn't and can and can't do. And, and, and really what it is is he's trying to assert his authority or dominance over her and keep her down. You ever seen that? Sometimes it moves down to the children. I mean, there is a, a stage where the children are very young and it's your responsibility to to help grow them up to a point. But at some point, you've got to let them grow up and go out. I've been uh, uh, at that other church. Uh, there was a guy who would always try to teach me the secrets of board meetings and how to, how to assert dominance and things like that. Uh, this one guy, he, he would give me helpful hints on, on what to watch for and how guys would... would respond. One of the interesting ways is, is um, he would say, now, Brian, guys uh, who speak louder than others are uh, going to be your most dominant people, and they'll speak louder and more aggressively to get their point across and to keep others from being heard. And when something comes up that they don't agree with, it'll usually no, and then with a following no, with a following no, and most people will then, he says, who don't like confrontation and don't want don't to just get involved, will just let their, the loud no be no. And as I, I mean, I was a young pastor and I was growing, and I listened to these things, but the more and more he told me all the tricks and secrets of how to command a meeting and lead, lead that way, the more and more they seemed to contradict what Scripture was telling me and what Jesus was saying about life and togetherness and the way of the kingdom.
You see, there seems to be a choice here that Stephen is presenting to the, to the Sanhedrin. He says, you have gone your own way for all these generations and you have rejected every revelation of God in your life. And you are still doing the same and still leading people away from the revelation that God is receiving. Uh, this morning, uh, in the early hours of the morning, I receive, I, I get multiple texts from all over the place. I got, um, I got at least six or seven texts, and three out of them were um, um, people telling me how I should view people, other people in the world. So-and-so is not a hero. So-and-so is a bad politician. So, you know, just like on and on it goes. I'm sad to say that most of them had nothing to do with what, the way God sees people. I came in this morning and there was cautions against uh, other people in this very church and how mergers can come together and, and how they can fall apart. Believe me, I'm well aware of how mergers can come together and how they can fall apart. They're called marriages. Somebody came in this morning and said, Pastor, there's trouble in our home. One of our, one of our sons is splitting from his wife, and it's turned bad. Can you pray? Absolutely, I'll pray. Because I do believe that God is a God of reconciliation and that he does want to make all things new even your marriage. <laughs> See, this is one of those sermons that is going to hit hard, but most sermons that are good hit hard and people go away mad. Um, they go away mad because they probably know that they have to change something about their life. See, if this merger is going to work, if this marriage of two churches is going to work, it works like a marriage where there's give and take and there's harmony that is found and there's unity and some humbling. The assertion of my way or no way is not going to work. The assertion of come along and fit in or you can go is not going to work. But the way of Jesus is his love one another. Make a new way. Follow my way. Humble yourself before the Lord. Seek him first. And all these other things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom. And his righteousness. You see, this morning you guys voted on whether or not to have co-pastors. Co-pastors is not the easiest thing in the world, usually because people have different ideas about how things ought to go. And I'm obviously smarter than Cody, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. I'm definitely older. <laughs> Cody and I sat together 
many nights on my front porch. Many nights before we even got to the point of bringing one another together. And so listen, we have to be united and we have to show each other, show the church that we're united. We have to purposely not create competitive moments between us and between the church. But go out of our way to humble ourselves before the Lord and before you guys to show you that this, to lead to you the way of unity. And we made an agreement. If we were going to vote on anything, Cody and I had to be united 100%. If we're not in agreement, we won't even bring it to a vote. And we also agreed that if we vote as co-pastors, it's one vote. United together as one. Because it's more important for us to, sh to show you the way of God and the way of the kingdom than to get our own way. There's another story that happens um, in 2 Corinthians. Paul has uh, started a church and he, things are going well when he writes the letter in Ephesians and he's telling them all about good things. But um, when he writes to the Corinth people, which is part of the same congregation, part of the same letter, but um, uh, Corinth has somehow uh, gotten so full of themselves uh, that Paul, who started them, is now on the outsides. They've kind of, somebody's come in and said, well, what kind of credentials does this Paul character have? I mean, after all, he's been in jail half a dozen times. They've tried, they've beaten him several times. Is this the kind of character we want coming around this place? Now ask yourself the same question. Is that the same kind of character you want in your pastor? Somebody who's been in jail and been beat up and in fights all the time? Shoot, I saw a pastor walk into a bar the other day. He must have been doing some nefarious business in there. He certainly couldn't have just been meeting somebody who needed help. We don't want a pastor that's seen in a bar. And worse yet, he was dancing. Ridiculousness. These are real things that people have fired pastors over, you know. <laughs> so Paul is writing a letter to the Corinth church because they said, don't come back here unless you come with a letter of recommendation. Don't come back. I, he's the one that started the place. I don't know if you've ever been in a, a meeting at, a, at wherever your work is and you're being accused of something you didn't do. Your blood pressure starts to boil. You start to sweat and you get that nervous feeling all over and you feel like you have to defend yourself. And like, this is Paul. What's happening to Paul? He's, he's got to, somehow he's got to defend himself to the very church he started. So he... He has this letter, and, it's, and he's writing and explaining to him the ways of, of God and the Spirit. And he says, he says this. 
He says, so then, from this point on, we won't recognize people from human standards. Even though we used to know Christ by human standards, that isn't how we know him now. So then, if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arrived. All of these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ, not by counting people's sins against them. He has trusted us with this message of reconciliation. So somehow, new things take place in new lives and in people's lives through this business of reconciliation that God did through Christ Jesus and did for you. Okay, that was really powerful. I don't know how to help you any further. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that is in you. He says in uh, Romans uh, 8, 11, I think. It was in my head, I, and I may have it wrong. Look it up and help me out. Not right now. I'll get, we'll get to it later. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is the same spirit that is in you now. It's that same spirit that says, you don't see the world through human eyes anymore. You see the world through kingdom eyes now. And the kingdom eyes are eyes that see the world through this, this lens of shalom, this lens of wholeness and completeness and this, of, of peace. And peace not like, oh, we're not fighting anymore, but more in the sense of a wholeness, an altogetherness, a, a completeness, that, that I am complete when you're complete. That when I'm helping you out, I'm really helping us all out. When your heart is broken, so is mine. When your son is struggling with his marriage, then I want to be there and help out. I want to give true words of life and speak them into the situation that might maybe just, just, just allow the Spirit to come in and change the world. When you're in the hospital and hurting and you can't breathe and, you, and the, everything's falling apart on you, I want to speak the breath of God upon you. Because if the Spirit of God can rest upon you, there is peace to be had. True peace. And I am full and you are full and we are full and we are raising the kingdom up together. And see, the, the essence behind this whole situation is that the, the, in, in, the, in the church in Acts and this, the council that has pulled Stephen out, it, they, they believed that there was a resurrection to come someday, way, way out there someday, and we would get sucked out of this world and thrown into this heavenly realm. And the problem with that is that Jesus came and he was resurrected right smack dab in the middle. Not someday, somehow, at the end, somewhere, at some point off into the distance. 
right smack dab in the middle. Jesus is resurrected out of the ground and he is made whole and complete in the spirit of God. And, and this is the gospel message that we are now striving for, that we now live in the resurrected heaven that is to come and we're supposed to be the ones that bring it about. And you don't bring it about by living in your old humanity. You bring it about by living in your newness in the Spirit of God. You bring it about by being filled with the Holy Spirit that, that leads you, guides you, directs you. And, 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 and having eyes that begin to open up and see the world in a new way. A new way that says, that is God in my life. Even in the simple things, like, like stupid things that just... that can be explained away by chance. No, it's probably really God doing something. Michaela and I were coming over the mountain a year ago, and there was a winter storm, and it snowed over the mountain between here and California on Highway 8, and the snow had risen up, and we were in a car that was unfamiliar to us, and it started, went sideways. And I don't know if you've ever been on those bridges in the middle of the mountain, but they go way down. And I went, oh, Lord. And I did all the things I knew how to do. And we were doing this. I'm like, Lord Jesus, oh, help us. Oh, Lord God, this is all I'm doing, right? Right, Mackie? And then all of a sudden, the car just straightened out and went on its way. And I took the moment to say to Michaela, you need to recognize that God was the one that straightened out the car. Listen, I've been driving a long time, and I'm a really good driver, and I've driven in snow a lot in my life. I mean, not a lot, but enough. That I've spun out, and I've done all those things. But overwhelmingly, in that very moment in my life, I knew it was God that took over and straightened the car out. And I wanted my child to know that it was God that came in that moment, not a talented deadhead behind the wheel of a car. You need to recognize God in even the simplest of moments. We had a beautiful Christmas time this year. It was wonderful. We went up to a cabin up north that, that, uh, that one of the family members let us go up and use. There wasn't enough snow. We hoped for more snow, but we had a wonderful time together. And as I sat up there in the cabin and, and I'd gotten the fire working and all over, I sat and I saw our, our kids just having a great time together. I remember not very long ago when I couldn't even, couldn't even squeeze presents together for my family or a, or a Christmas meal. And I couldn't, I mean, I was, I was working my tail end off, but I just couldn't. I had responsibilities and bills to pay. And listen, I know I'm not the only one. Every one of you could probably raise your hand and say, I've, I've been there or I'm there today or, or something like that. But I remember at the last minute, I got called over to speak at a church, and, and they specifically asked that my entire family come in support of me. I thought, well, okay. So we dressed all our little ones up and got them all together. They all, you know, Isaac looks pretty good in his little suit, and the girls in their curls and their ribbons and all. We got them all up there, and, and I preached with all I had. And at the end of the sermon, they came, they came out with a red wagon filled full of presents for all my little ones. And a grocery gift card 
that I could go buy Christmas dinner with. And a check that paid for a bill that I didn't know how I was going to pay for. And that was God who came in and did something through another church in my life. You need to begin to open your eyes and to begin to see new things in the world. And when you see new things, see them through the eyes of the Spirit that God has given within you. Begin to see the world in a place that, that, that God is saying, hey, go in and talk to that person in your life. Go in and, and be the kingdom in their life. And this is how the kingdom comes and He makes all things new is through you. He in all his infinite wisdom and power and guidance, is going to come in his spirit and, in, and, and come into your life and push and guide and direct and do things that is all brand new. And it's no longer the ways of, of humanity, but it's the ways of the kingdom. And you have to let go of the old you and let God come in anew. I got one more story. I have a friend. He grew up in a, a decent home, just average American home. His grandfather was a pastor, taught him ways of God. When he was young, uh, there was a neighbor that abused him. And he didn't know any, he was young enough that he didn't know any better, didn't know, really know what was going on. But as he grew, this like internal hatred of himself began to fester. Um, this, this idea of not knowing how to deal with what happened to him began to show itself in different ways in ways that was crying out for help, but not, not even knowing that he was crying out for help. And he, his life got involved in um, drugs, in the way that he became a dealer and would deal drugs to other people and would, was able to take enough himself to keep himself hazy and not have to deal with whatever was festering inside do you know anybody like that? Somehow this led him to Arizona and traveling uh, across the border, back and forth, transporting drugs across the Mexican border. And he gets caught. Uh, he gets caught uh, and thrown into jail, and he's in jail for a number of years of his life. And jail life isn't any better than it was before. He serves his time, and, and as he gets out and he discovers that once you've been in jail and been labeled a nefarious character, that finding a job is hard to do. And he bumped into one guy who says, I'll give you a job, but you have to come to my Bible study. He says, I don't care. I'll... I'll come wherever you want, as long as you give me a job and, and I can earn some money. So he's living in a halfway house and he's working for this guy and whatever, it's construction work and he knows how to do drywall and different things like that. And 
but he's required to come to this Bible study that this other guy has. And somewhere along the way, he decides to listen. And he hears the story of Jesus who goes out of his way to reach into the heart of those who are broken. And somehow he's able to face his brokenness and allow Jesus in. He's able to face his brokenness, his hurt, his pain, the struggle that his life has left him to, two divorces, children that won't even talk to him anymore, who want nothing to do with him. And he finds Jesus. And Jesus begins to transform this man's life. Transform him in miraculous ways to where he begins to understand stand scripture like he's never understood it before transforms in a way where he yearns to hear more and more about this Jesus who 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 comes into the lives of others and and makes them whole and new and full so much so that this man has uh started going to the university to study more and more and, and he's paying this university sum of money to learn more about what God can teach him about himself and life with him. And next thing you know, he's, he's got a, a degree in pastoral ministry. And the church of the Nazarene is getting ready to ordain this man. Today, this man gives humbly of himself everything that he has in time and service, and he has created a ministry called Salvation Song Ministries. And in that ministry, he collects food from uh, St. Mary's, from grocery stores, from all over the place, and he gives it away to those who are in need. And he's got a trailer that he fills full of food, and he takes it to uh, well-known parks across the valley that are, that um, that that homeless people hang out in and he he meets them there and he puts up a tent he says i got food for you but if you want the food you have to let me pray for you i'm happy to give it to you it's free it doesn't cost anything except your time for me to pray for you and he prays for every single person before he gives them food and then he has another station in the in his group and they they have hygiene products and and socks and underwear and, and things to just, just clean the person's self up with. And he gives that out. He says, oh, you can go over there, but you have to also take this Bible with you. And he calls me regularly all the time. Hey, Brian, guess what happened? Uh, a new grocery store called me and said they want to give me food that I can give out to, to those in need. He goes, just pray that the Lord will provide workers to help me do this. I said, I will. And amazingly enough, he's got three different stores and three different food banks and, and, different, and another different source to provide these hygiene kits. And he's giving out food um, five out of seven days a week. I'm proud to call this guy my friend, my brother in Christ. who will speak words of wisdom into my heart and allow words of wisdom to be spoken in her, his heart. And we have a, a bond I never saw coming. 
He's a friend I didn't know I needed. And as I, if I can help him, he'll help me, and together we're in shalom. If God can change the heart of Fred, who he will tell you, and I didn't tell you his whole story, who was as corrupt as corrupt could get, but what God can do in a heart is amazing. What God can do in your heart is amazing if you'll let him. He is the one who proclaims, I am the one who makes all things new. The old things have gone and the new things have come. If you allow me to, to, to breathe that spirit into you, it's yours to have. And in this day where we are beginning to, we're going to celebrate a new year coming, it's time for a newness of life to be breathed into us. And Jesus himself wants to pour that spirit into us. That same spirit that rose him from the dead can rise us out of the depths of our despair. And it's yours to have freely given to you. For the kingdom is breaking into today somewhere right in the middle. The kingdom is, is now, not someday. It's now, and it's here for you to have. Let's pray together. Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in your strength and with power. Come in thine own gentle way. Oh, holy God. The one who comes from heaven and breaks into the ugliness of earth and says, I'm going to make all things new and I'm going to show you a new way. And the new way is a kingdom way. Come now and show us your new way. Open our eyes to see that... that that my way is not the way, but your way is. Not my will, but thine be done, O Lord. Lord, I'm not concerned about uh, power struggles. I'm not concerned about those who are, who, are, who are wanting to get ahead. I'm concerned about showing the right way in truth and righteousness. And I'm going to let you win. I'm going to let your love be so overwhelming in me that it overwhelms those around me. I'm going to let your spirit that breathes life into me and energy into me and newness into me and, 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 and helps me to see the world the way you want me to see it. I'm going to let that be so overwhelming that it, it overflows out of me and people can't help but see that there's something different and want to know that the very difference is you, Jesus Lord, as we have come into this place and we've gathered together two separate congregations that have decided to become one, may love and humility win. May a united front that says we are in this together to, to move your kingdom forward be that which pursues the day to be that which overwhelms our heart, to be, to be that which what we seek for 
and yearn for and long for that Jesus is the way here, not my way. Lord, as I pray today, I pray for this congregation, those who are here in this place, those are, that, are, that are serving in the classrooms, those who are watching online, it's my prayer today that you give us eyes to see you, Lord Jesus. That our heart opens up and allows your spirit to come in and overwhelm. Lord, speak to our hearts. Move in our lives and give us eyes to see you, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to continue the conversation and connect with you. Comment, like, subscribe, follow us on the socials at rnaschurch or our website, rnaz.church.